Welcome to the two bottles. Oh shit. <laughs> Come on, get serious. Hey, welcome to the two bottles beer beer podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Beer Bottles Podcast. I'm Bobby G, aka Long Neck, and my co host, I'm Ermio, aka Stubby, or Stubby, aka Ermio. Works either way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, one of the things that we we didn't talk about on the uh, on the radio show, we didn't have enough time, and it is really quite important, is the hydrometer. Uh, we did touch on it, but not really. I don't think quite enough. Now, when you use a hydrometer for the original gravity, you are measuring not just the fermentable sugars, but you're also measuring other solids in there that aren't fermentables. Um, residue from the grain that's in there and there are some other sugars that aren't fermentable so that's all in there your final gravity what you're what you're getting is what was fermented you still have those those um, other compounds in there but they're not that it's residual those are residual that's interesting because I, I, I you know I Again, thank God I've got a mentor called Bobby G. So uh, <clears throat> that puts me back into that thought process. So what you're saying is that in the wort kettle, when we're boiling our wort and we're about to put it in our fermenting bucket, all those particulates, all that stuff that's in that wort is suspended in that liquid. And so we get an initial reading. Usually that reading is a lot higher than... Uh, you know your final gravity reading so all those particulates are in there they're floating in that environment and then through the whole process of fermentation it's eating the consumable sugars that it can etc those settle to the bottom because we always see that bottom yeast right kind of crazy thing uh, I don't know what the, the bottom yeast gunk <laughs> what, what do they call it it's not the crazy because the craisins on the top um, um, crap crap <laughs> so the crap is on the bottom including a lot of the larger particulates. Right. Okay, and so that changes the gravity, obviously, besides the fact that the yeast is doing its part and that's consuming sugar. Right. Now, also, one of the things um, is the temperature that you take your original gravity at. Now, after a while, you, you kind of figure it out yourself. Hmm. If the temperature, you try to get the temperature like around... 70, 73 degrees, somewhere around there, mm -hmm. you know. But if it's a little bit higher, well, to give you an idea, I'm going to use um, the medium of, um, of honey. When honey is warm, it's more liquid. When it's cooler, it's more of a syrup. So kind of take that into 
Okay, when you take a hydrometer reading, if it's warm, it's not going to read the same if it was at 70 degrees, at mm. like 75 or 78. It's not going to read the same. Mm -hmm. But if you follow a recipe, you use everything you're supposed to in it, and it doesn't reach that that level, it, it sinks in a little bit deeper, well, that's okay because you know what it's supposed to be if it was at one at that one particular temperature. Mm -hmm. So you know. So I, I've got an interesting uh, question for you. Um, I made the mistake. I, I recently did a rustic French ale just a few days ago. And of course, thinking I knew it all, which I don't. Which I don't either. <laughs> um, you know, I, I made the mistake uh, as I was rinsing, rinsing my grains and adding the um, distilled water to bring the temperature down. I knew uh, uh, almost an instantaneous mistake, and that was is that as I was rinsing the grains, I, I started with, let's say, a, a, a concentrated wort volume of about three and a half gallons, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was rinsing off the grains, and that was a gallon of water. So here I was already at four and a half. And then I continued rinsing off my grains, and without thinking, I added the pretty much the whole gallon before I realized I was over the five gallon mark. So obviously everything suspended now has about a half gallon more than what I anticipated, and therefore naturally the gravity would drop. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That I made that made that mistake. I figured. I went from a, a 4.5 potential ABV to a 3.47 potential ABV, so I'm going to use the excuse that it's a nice, refreshing light beer. Okay, well, see, the upside is you have more beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the upside. I guess, I guess you can look at it. No, no, that's, no, no. That's the way you look at it. Right, right. You got, you got more beer. Right, right. It's, it's still going to be fine. This right. is this is one of the things that we had talked about on the radio show. Just because something goes wrong, and we're not going to necessarily say this is really wrong, mm -hmm. but it's still going to come out good. Right. I, I agreed. I agreed. It's one of those things where it's just one of those things. You and relax and have a homebrew thing, right? Yeah, the Char yeah, Charlie you, Papazin uh, uh, mantra. Don't don't worry about it. Okay, you know, I put too much water. Oh my God, I'm going to ruin the beer. No, you're not going to ruin the beer. It may not be exactly what you wanted to begin with, mm -hmm. but it's going to be better than what you normally would buy in the store. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, uh, folks. We're going to take a little break here, and we'll come right back. We're back, folks. Uh, welcome to Two Beer Bottles or Two Bottle Beers. It all depends how many takes you're on with our podcast. But well, how much you've had to drink. <laughs> we are the Two Beer Bottles podcast. Uh, I am with your host, Bobby G, a.k.a. Longneck, and, of course, I am co-host, Ermio, uh, a.k.a. Stubby. Uh, Bob, so we wanted to talk a little bit about what's inspired us, right, what we're brewing, what we have brewed, things like that, right? Correct. Um now, one of the things that I um, I really enjoy stouts and porters. I those are my favorite. Saying that, a few years ago, I had gone to uh, Foolproof Brewery, and I had their um, it was a Gosa. Uh, though I think I am pronouncing Gosa wrong. <laughs> no, there was someone has 
Anyway, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but this, we're going to go with that. Hey, leave us a message. Let us know how Gosa is pronounced. Yeah, G-O-S-E. <laughs> I really would like, really like to know. But anyway, they had used um, seaweed, and I really liked it. Remember I had taken you to uh, yep. Foolproof? That's right. So I actually make a uh, mermaid kiss, which um, I use seaweed. I use um, honey in it, and I use... Um, uh, the last one I used some celery salt in it because mm -hmm. I saw a recipe in a book uh, was Brooklyn Brew, I believe it was. Yep. And which is actually a cute little little recipe book. And um, <clears throat> I saw that they had uh, that they used celery salt, which I said, okay, I'm gonna get some celery salt, then uh, I'm gonna use some seaweed. So I actually combined two different recipes into one and saying that you use seaweed it sounds like oh my god it's going to taste like the ocean well no it doesn't um the celery salt is a little salty which is what, what i wanted i don't want it very salty and the seaweed you kind of know there's something else in there but it doesn't it doesn't slap you across the face like oh my god this is in here mm. um and trying to, uh, I had a hard time trying to find out how much to use, so I just used my gut feeling like I usually do, and uh, I'm weighing it out, and I go, oh, 14 grams, okay, and I went with it. Um, now the seaweed was dry, and you'd be surprised how big it gets when after it's been boiling for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting concept, right? Yeah. Right, right. It's going to increase in vol. It's going to expand, yeah. right? Because getting expand. moisture suddenly, it's going to turn back into the plant that it was once famous yeah. for. It's like, oh well, okay, <laughs> and it came out fine. It what really what, what type of seaweed did you use? Kelp. I got it from work. Wow. Okay. So kelp. So you use those long plant strands of kelp, and they yeah. like. By nori or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, gotcha, okay. I bought Eden, a, Eden Foods, right. Eden Foods and nori, whatever whatever one right. has it. And you just look for kelp. And um, I just took it out and like I said, I'm just going to weigh it. And But I, I had a hard time finding the information of how much to use. Mm. And again, I just use my gut feeling. There's a lot of times where I, I just use my gut feeling. Well, Bob, and, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I, you know, before your beer, there are very few people I know that would challenge themselves in homebrewing to put kelp in it. Uh, it's a, it's enough of a struggle for a new homebrewer like myself <laughs> to sit there and just stay with the standards, but then to go to these, you know, these ancient, I say it out loud, ancient uh, homebrewers who sit there and go, oh, kelp sounds like a great ingredient and throw it in there. Uh, I'm sure there aren't many uh, recipes online for, for kelp beer, but guess what? You'll start a new standard, especially with this podcast. Folks, if you want Wheelass or Bob's um, uh, kelp recipe, don't hesitate to ask him. He'll give it to you every time. Yeah, I mean, um, I look at, at ingredients and it's like, oh, well, gee, that sounds good. I'll try that. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to experiment, which mm -hmm. is... It may be my downfall, but it's also may, it might be my strong pot that mm. I don't mind. I really don't mind experimenting. Now I don't experiment every single batch. I make like the wee last I've made like for three years. Um, 
my coconut porter. My coconut porter. Yeah. My coconut chocolate porter. Right. Um, I've made that for about three years. I don't make it every year. Mm -hmm. I usually make it like every other year. I don't right. want to have it all the time. So, so if 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 we were to look through Bob's menu, uh, and I know you have a big binder, so you have a lot of menu items on your binder. If we were to look at Bob's menu of home brews, what is your favorite beer to brew? Okay, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, stouts and porters. Right. Okay, but let's go more specific. What is the favorite stout that you made? It was my coconut chocolate porter <laughs> came right. out. That that really, that came out good. And and that that recipe I found online, mm -hmm. and um, and I was reading the recipe. The guy goes, well, I you know used this this much um, coconut flakes, and it was really coconut, which that kind of set me off a little bit because I didn't want it to be too coconut. Mm -hmm. So I cut it down to about a third of, of what he he wanted mm -hmm. or that he used. And I used some chocolate. Um, one of my favorite ingredients to use is uh, molasses. I put molasses in it. Mm -hmm. I put some vanilla. And uh, I call it Mounds of Happiness because I wanted to be like a Mounds bar in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what I was shooting for. It may not exactly be a Mounds bar in a glass. Right. But it's really good. I mean, you can taste, you definitely know there's coconut in it, mm. but it doesn't really slap you across the face because then you can taste the chocolate. Right, right. I, I, I would agree with you that, I mean, I, I love porters myself. My favorite beer to brew, of course, is my chocolate coffee porter. Yeah, and, that, uh, and that one came out really good. Right, and so I, I, I started it two years ago, and um, but, you know, it definitely is my favorite beer to brew. I brew it successfully. Can almost do it blindfolded. Never do that blindfolded, folks. Or never drink while brewing. Um, it never works out well. But in no, all honesty, <laughs> you know, I've spent this year focusing on the Pilsner. I don't think I've really successfully mastered the Pilsner, but uh, I definitely love the kind of Pilsners I can buy on the shelf. So that's my inspiration for trying to do it. I'm less adventuresome than Bob. I should mention that out loud. I'm less adventuresome than Bob, but I'm also a younger home brewer. So my perspective a lot of time is just to learn how to master a specific recipe. And I think that's what happened with the chocolate coffee porter initially. Um, it definitely was my favorite style of beer to brew. But then it, then it came down to, all right, how can I make this better? And with yours and Patrick's contribution, it, got, it kept narrowing it down to a point where I don't, I don't change the recipe anymore. Whereas I would tell you the three Pilsners I made this year, all three were fair. None of them were great. Um, and, you know, but I, I plan on continuing that adventure once this whole new normal thing freaking passes us. Well, I, I, do uh, have a I do have a question on that. Yeah. Did you use size hops? Yeah, I used size. Okay, all right. Size and, um, yeah, it was, it was primarily size hops for all that. Right. For that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tried to go, I, I use a software called Beersmith, and I tried to traditionally go with their, their recipe and then play with it. And of course, I was doing a triple decoction. I've learned a lot about triple decoction in, in the time that I've been doing it. Like, for example, what I would do for my triple decoction is I'd pull the mash out with liquid and I'd, I'd cook it, right? And I, I, I basically, with what, with what I saw online, 
and of course it might be similar to what is done over in Czechoslovakia or up in Europe. Of course, the volume of which they are heating up their wort is huge compared to what a home brewer does. Yeah, it's and, and I felt like I was either uh, I was cooking the mash too much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was bringing it to a boil, and I think it was dramatically changing the flavors. So I'm going to use a different technique the next time I brew the pilsner. I'm not going to necessarily um, uh, heat up the mash itself. I'm really just going to use water additions to heat up the mash to bring it to this next level. You know, the, you brought that that of about um, you think you might have overcooked it. There are <clears throat> in the magazine that I used to get. Uh, it's actually a good magazine. Brew your own, but after a while, you just have so many issues. Right. Um, there was um, a segment where uh, you had pros and cons of a big um, big bubbling boil and a slow rolling boil. Mm. You have two brewmasters. One said, oh, you should brew it really vigorously. And the other one didn't think you had to. He felt that it came out better, um, a, a nice little rolling boil. Mm -hmm. Myself, I like more of a nice little rolling boil. I don't, I don't go for the uh, the real vigorous one. Um, the main reason is you have to really watch it because if it boils over, you got a mess. You got a mess, and your wife's gonna be pissed off. You've got you. some explaining to do. do. Okay. Um, <laughs> explaining. <laughs> I, I'm more of an advocate of the rolling boil too. I don't like a vigorous boil. There are two reasons for that. Number one is with every boil you're gonna have evaporation rate, so you're gonna lose some of that that volume of moisture. And of course you can always add uh, distilled water to it and so forth. I like uh, because I'm an all grain brewer. I like to hit the targets and I do that. I have done the vigorous boil when I was a propane. Uh, using propane, I would always get a vigorous boil. It was very hard for me. I was using a, the wrong type of equipment. I wasn't using a, a, um, a brewer's propane um, burner. I was using a, a deep fried turkey propane burner. So well, it can work. It does. It does. It, it, you know, it's like calibration, right, between the valves on everything. But um, now that I have an electric kettle brewer, I can regulate the temperature better. But I'm more of your standing on that. You keep that boil rumbling, but you don't keep it vigorous. Right. And that way I can get, I hit my targets better. I don't have over evaporation, which, you know, again, you can always supplement with more liquid, right? But uh, I'm always trying to shoot for the targets I see on the schedule that I'm building. Um, and most of the time I hit them. But again, if I go with a vigorous boil, I, I, I will miss that target, I think. The... Um it's it's just one of those things that you know it's trial and error. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it, and you like it, right? And everybody, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. You make it, I mean, you know. Okay, he didn't hit some of his targets at first, but they still were good. Right. I mean, it took me a while to get over not getting something right, but I just kept on trying. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine. Um, Don Lazard, he would tell me, he goes, Bob, don't worry about it. He goes, it's better than most stuff. Right. You know? And it took me a while, and, and after a while, I just realized, yeah, you know, it, it's okay. It didn't come out exactly how I wanted. That's fine. It was still good. Um, I made a Cesson, um 
an apricot one. Well, I, it didn't come out how I wanted it. It wasn't enough apricot. And But the, the big thing is I'm not a big fruity beer, uh, beer lover. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I tried to make it. Mm. I'll, I'll make something, a style that I don't like, to see if I can make one that I do like. That's interesting. So let me ask you something. <laughs> so you make a style that you don't like. How many times have you met your expectations in making the same, making a beer that you don't like and to work from that? Well, I've only made that one once. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's still on my radar to make again. Right. Okay. Okay. I get I, it. I'm not going to give it up. Mm -hmm. I just haven't done it for a while. Right. I... I, I I have a tendency of picking a specific style of beer that I want to brew and the focus on it, and that's just because of my youth and, you know, being a young brewer, not of my age, but being a young brewer and wanting to, you know, perfect that recipe, of course. Um, it's, I, I'll, I'll have to admit that last year was a better year of brewing because that was the one where I was, you know, I was working on the perfecting my chocolate coffee porter and then every other recipe was just like grab, you know, brew your own magazine, the oldest description I had flip through it, find a recipe, and then brew that recipe. And that was a fun adventure, creating beers that I have never made before. Um, that, of course, developed into the favorite beer of the year, the Rustic French Ale, which is the reason why I'm focusing on it for this two times. Well, get back into the game, why not play it, right? But um, you, you, know, you go into this homebrewing thought process where you're going to make a recipe and there are the two schools, right? The one where you be adventuresome. You just go for it. Um, one of my favorite beers is the kitchen sink, right? The end of the year, you take everything did, you've got. I, that's, it was the end of the end of my brewing season. I made what I call the fisherman's stout, which I, I went through, oh, I got some of this and I got some of this and I got some of this left over. So I just, you know, I put it in and that's the one that had um, I, I wanted to make more beer, so I had six and a half gallons mm -hmm. and increased it by 25%. Thinking that the uh, the carboid had enough space, <laughs> which it didn't. <laughs> Is this the one where your wife saves you? <laughs> yeah, she, she, she wakes me up and says, you know, the the ferment, uh, the, the, your, uh, the fermentation lock came off. And I was like, oh, it was... Look, six o'clock in the morning, and you're going okay. <laughs> oh, I know what I got to do. You, right. you, you, but um, because there was so little airspace there, mm -hmm. and there was so much gas coming out, as soon as I had put the the fermentation lock back on, it was just a fraction of a second. It was already perking. Right, right. So if, if you ever see a, you know, if you see a carboid, it has a small bit on me about an inch and a half. Mm -hmm. diameter right. hole well you have all this gas coming out of this small mm -hmm. small hole there was no way any oxygen really was going in no no and even if there was it wasn't going to survive right no right. no bacteria was going to survive right but so now no matter what i brew it doesn't make any difference i put a blow off to right you know one of the and it's just it's just for you don't have this problem. Right. One of the uh, things you bring up, which is a really good point about home brewing and, you know, relaxing while you're doing it, right? If you understand the sciences of things, like, for example, 
I'm uh, sure your wife brings up that <laughs> you're, you're creating a mess and needs to be cleaned up. You come uh, upon the mess and discover that, you know, your, your, <laughs> your airlock is not working. Uh, well, it was working, but it's now not able to work properly. But because of your understanding of brewing, you're able to decide, okay, so we don't need to panic here. We just replace it and move on kind of thing. And everything was going in the correct direction. In other words, right. the gases were ex escaping from your fermentative yep. wort and it was going in the right direction. Uh, I think a lot of people sometimes misunderstand and panic. It's like um, the the you know when home brewers first look at their wort after let's say two weeks, right? And they see floating particles, they go into this panic mode, like it it, it went bad. Yeah. I, I think glass carboys are a great tool to have, especially if you're in a, you've got a couple of brews under your belt and you've got a safe place to put a large glass. Uh, jar uh, safely, of course, because you don't want it to ever break. But it's fun to watch the activity. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, because you're you're watching something happen. You see the process, and then literally at the end of the period of time, like the two weeks, you watch all that stuff settle to the bottom yeah. that you would not see in a pail right. until you right. got to the bottom. It's it fascinating because it's you know it's the kind of things where you learn about the experience and you panic less yeah. when it comes to right. potential disasters. Now talk, talking about um, the solids and the things that, that are floating down, when you're going to be like a day or two before you're going to bottle, it's good if you can chill it because now you're going to the higher the temperature the more active the yeast is. So mm -hmm. if it's a little bit cooler there's going to be less activity and more things are going to float to the bottom right so it's a way it's one way to help clarify your beer and the other thing is the um is your clarifying findings um irish moss i i use that all the time there's another one that they use it begins with a w and i wish i could i, I can see it in front of me but i you know, it comes like in a white tablet, mm -hmm. and I believe it comes from fish bladders. <laughs> no, no, really, I, I believe it does, folks. The, you got to see the look on his face. <laughs> the Irish moss is seaweed, right? And part what what it is is that this part I I I can never remember what part is what. One part is positively charged, and one part. Is negatively charged right so when two opposites they attract and then they form a solid and they they go to the bottom and right. that's that's what these that's what the Irish mosses does it right I just can't remember which one but it doesn't make any difference I know it works <laughs> <laughs> with that being said folks we're gonna take a little break right here and uh, we'll be right back with the two beer bottles podcast your host Bobby G, a.k.a. Longneck, and Stubby, a.k.a. Ermio. All right. So Fellow homebrewing enthusiast, where do you get your homebrewing supplies? Longneck and myself, Stubby, we get ours from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday through Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, 
and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy, excellent customer service, and a fellow home brewer. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it doesn't exist. I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a Two Beer Bottles podcast sent you. <laughs> Come back to it. All right. Um, What's the matter for you? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, welcome back to Two Beer Bottles podcast. We figured it out. What is it, Bobby, that you were trying to say? I have a hard time pronouncing it. <laughs> Wolf, Whirl Flock Tavern. Well, that's folks. what it is. Yeah. Does the same thing as Irish Moss, a little bit better refining, uh, but it's uh, the trendy new tablet to use when you want to settle uh, the particulates in your ward. Now, if you really want to be technical, 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 mm-hmm. if you're a vegan, <laughs> no, really, if you're a vegan, you would. You would use the Irish moss, yes. and, and if you don't, if you could care less, you use the other one. I could care less. I use the world flag. Uh, but if there's a vegan out there that wants to try my beer, I will warn you in advance. More importantly, um, you know, we'll, 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 I'll make a beer occasionally with just Irish moss. So I wanted to use this segment, Bob, if we could, to mm-hmm. talk about the beers we're drinking right now. Um, you obviously, you know, have been brewing pretty continuously through the summer because this is your season uh, to brew. Uh, I myself, of course, have been in so many dynamics. I haven't really been able to brew all summer. And Well, I haven't brewed all summer. I've um, I just been drinking my inventory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, folks. Somebody's got to do it. So uh, just a quick note then. So when was the last time you homebrewed? It was uh, April. Okay. So just about the time I stopped homebrewing too. So we got to get back into it, Bob. Well, I like to take the summer off. Because mm-hmm. uh, after I... It's funny, because after I put all the equipment away, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be making next. Got you. Yeah. And uh, so that that's... Right now, I have enough, but I'm going to be... I'm going to be making something. And uh, then after the first of the year... Um, I'll be getting going again because I'll have some stuff that will be coming of age. It's going to be some mead that I made. Ooh. And uh, it's going to come of age around Christmas. Cool. So it's been it's been aging for about... Uh, Christmas will be about six months. Nice. So it's like you got to... You make it and then you got to be patient and just let it... All right. So what's the inventory you're drinking right now? It's my uh, coconut chocolate porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Mermaid Kiss and my Wee Lass. Um, that this is my fourth batch on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I followed the recipe, which was a mistake. <laughs> um, you don't realize how much uh, peated malt is strong. It it really took away from everything else that was going on in there. Mm-hmm. 
So I've toned that down quite a bit. Uh, there's no hops in it. It's heather and meadowsweet in it. Right. And it's... Um, <clears throat> I used uh, Edinburgh yeast, style yeast, so it's mm -hmm. very Scottish. Or it should be very Scottish. <laughs> it should be, right. You won't know until you open the bottle, or have you been? Have you opened a bottle yet? Oh, yeah, I've been drinking it. Okay, you've been drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I gave a bottle to this one woman who I, I really wasn't sure if she was going to like it. Right. And she said it's her new favorite. Right. So, right. But you don't know. I mean, I like it. It's totally off the wall, mm -hmm. but that's where I live. Um, off the wall. I mean, uh, you know, like at the Mermaid Kiss, I use uh, seaweed. Uh, coconut chocolate, I use coconut, and I put uh, chocolate and molasses in it. Right. Uh, I've used, um, I've made, what I, uh, I've used oak chips mm -hmm. in my brew. Right. Um, and the main reason why I do that is that beer you're drinking today is not it doesn't taste what beer tasted before like in the um oh before prohibition and probably right, even slightly right. after I, I get prohibition. it where, where they where they stored the beer yeah. they used to put them in casks yeah right wooden casks so right that it's gonna it's gonna take on a little bit of that flavor no matter mm -hmm. what so right what you're drinking today you could follow a recipe that was from before before prohibition but not being in a wooden cast, still not going to be quite the same. I'm right. Sure, you know, but right. it's it's fun to do. You know, and if and if you want to, um, you know, like the big thing is like bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels. Well, you get some of these uh, some of this, these oak chips and you soak them in uh, whiskey for a couple of weeks and then right. you, you dry it out and then you you throw it into your uh, your secondary. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the way that I make my chocolate coffee porter, of course, um, you know, I, I do the whole transferring from primary to secondary, and that's when I do the induction or the introduction of the concentrated coffee, you know, the uh, um, cold brew coffee and the cocoa nibs. So I, I add my cocoa powder at the end of the boil, but when I transfer it from primary to secondary, that's when I add the other nuances, the other nuttier nuances to the coffee. The, um, the thing is what, and this happened to me, the first time I made a, a chocolate porter, um, <laughs> you get mud. Yeah, you do, oh my God. Yeah, I, 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 will, I, I will tell you folks, if you have not done uh, chocolate coffee porters or any kind of chocolate porter type thing, and you're using cocoa powder or yeah. anything like that. It's a pretty interesting sludge that you have, <laughs> sludge that you have in the bottom of your, your carboy. It can, it, can, it can surprise you. Uh, don't eat it. I tried it. It's very, very, very intense. Uh, tasty, but uh, not worth saving. You actually can't save that yeast. I don't think you can save that yeast. What, what I, um, the last time I made my coconut chocolate porter was I used uh, the Tazo yep. chocolate. Yep. And uh, this it had it happened to have some vanilla in it, and I did put some vanilla extract into. I'm not sure if you could really taste it, mm -hmm. but that's but that really wasn't that important because if you have a Mounds bar, you don't really taste the vanilla anyway. Right. right. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, so uh, my my favorite uh, beers that I've been drinking lately, I've been 
uh, Pilsner fanatic uh, as of late, and I really have been just buying Pilsners off the shelf um, because I, ha I don't have anything to drink except for <laughs> P2, which mm. is, you know, every home brewer's got to take the pain with the game mm -hmm. and drink it, and I am drinking it, uh, but it's not my favorite Pilsner. I've actually enjoyed uh, regional Pilsners a lot more lately, and I'm actually quite impressed with... You know, the local scene is doing more Pilsners. You really didn't, you know, really it's been New England IPAs and APAs and all these different uh, IPAs. You know, they, they, a lot of that has dominated breweries. And to see breweries getting to the Pilsner kind of thing is fascinating to me and a lot of fun because it, it's really brought a lot of new flavors I haven't had before. Um, our friend Homer works at, what, what's the name of that brewery? Uh, Shed. Shadon, Shadon, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and our friend Patrick works there. They, they, um, and if I mispronounce it, I, I do apologize, Homer and Patrick. But um, they make the best. They make a Buffalo Check uh, Pilsner, but they made a second series to it, a Buffalo Check Dry Hopped Pilsner, which I have not been able to get since, even though I complain to Patrick all the time that he needs to. <laughs> insist that they make it um was my favorite pilsner of all year uh, the whole year and i think that you know it, it's like you know the home brewing thing right i like to drink something that i'm trying to make just so that it constantly reminds me of the profiles i'm looking for research yes research it's called technically research right it's research <laughs> you can't i don't i don't necessarily buy a lot of beer but right. when i do it's research <laughs> Come on. We went yeah. on vacation. My wife wanted to go down to Narragansett, and I said, okay, we can do that. We're going to Whalers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to go to um, to um, Westerly. I says, great. We're going to go to Graysale. <laughs> I got to get, I mean, research. Exactly. Well, it is research. So, I mean, I met religion through your Coco Jesus, so... <laughs> Cow Which I, that really was a good beer. <laughs> so, you know, research is good. You're going to discover things you probably haven't had before, or you're going to try things you have, but see how they compare to what you're making. Yeah. Uh, I think research is important. I um, I definitely, I you know, it's turned into one of my favorite beer styles is Pilsner. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say research. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's turned into my favorite research. <laughs> um, but um, it, you know, it, it, I, I think locally uh, in the Rhode Island scene, we've seen a lot of breweries step up and produce pilsners, and it's been kind of impressive. Proclamation put out a pilsner, um, uh, and like I said, the, the, the uh, Homer and Patrick's brewery put out a pilsner. Um, a lot of the other Pilsners I've gotten, they're local, they're very close, so like in Massachusetts. Uh, uh, and I've really enjoyed the kind of, you know, research <laughs> that I've been doing with that. As to my own personal home brews, uh, you know, I've enjoyed all the Pilsners that I've made this year, but uh, I have not met a satisfactory note with that at all. I have, you know, each one has had something in it that somehow just said to me this hasn't reached that point of satisfaction yet so um, when I start that next year early I would love to have your thought process on moving that forward because it's I think what I've I do never is made a pilsner so but you've, you've drank yeah. a pilsner or two right yes and okay. I, I have had some that were really good the European ones the only problem with um, 
European ones is that some do not travel well. Right. Pilsners, I, I find, you know, Yukrell, of course, has mastered the whole, you know, get it over here uh, thing. But, um, and, you know, they had, you know, they're noted as one of the best Pilsners out there. But um, I agree with you. I don't think Pilsner is a beer that travels. I don't. I really don't. I think it's better fresh, in my opinion. I really like it when, you know, it's fresh. I I prefer it over that. But I'm sure that if you're over in Europe, you can find it everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And here, it's just not a, a common... Laggers are more more common here. Uh, you can Almost everybody produces it. You know, Sam Adams, Budweiser, all those guys produce uh, lager beers. But, um, yeah, Pilsners don't travel well. But a pilsner is a lager, though, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. I, but it's a different style, right? It's a different style. You don't, you know, there is a lagering process. It is, you know, it's a, it, it, I think lagers are a little more intense to me than than pilsners. But you're right. It is a it is a lager style beer. So, so even even Bach beer is a lager, right? And it's it's as, as dark as your pole over here, <laughs> right? But, Agreed. But. It's just that style of beer. Right. Yeah. I mean, the yeast the yeast that I use, the Pilsner yeast that I use, react better to the colder temperatures than the, the, the warmer 78. So you're, I'm, always, I'm always fermenting at 54, and, and uh, eventually I'll bring it down to like a 43 before it's bottled. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's more of a lagering ale than it is, a, or a lagering brew than it is a... It's just a ale. different style. It's just a... Yeah, different style. It's a specific... Pacific style. Yeah, Pacific style. But uh, I mean, I, I love the refreshing note of it. Mm, yeah, but, and, uh, and like you were saying, the, um, the local scene there, they're making it. Everything is like, comes in vogue. Yeah. You know, for a while it was Gosa. You can find, you can still find a lot of Gosas around, and I always check them out. But there's, there's some different styles that I, I've, I've tried. And some I liked and some I haven't. Right. I have I have not been a big Gosa fan, but I probably haven't found one that's really blown my socks off and therefore made me want to go into it. Is Gosa uh, 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 an ale or is it a lager? It's an ale. Right. Okay. It's an ale. It's kind. Of, it was basically very obscure. Um, it's a German style. It does have salt in it and mm. coriander. Um, but it's a Pacific style of beer and because of that it gets away with the um, the purity law in, in Germany mm-hmm. um, and the reason why it's a little salty is that the river that runs through the area is called Goslar mm-hmm. and one of the things that they did a lot of mining um, in that area was salt so sometimes the water got into the salt or the salt got into the water mm-hmm. whatever right and that's what they used mm-hmm. so if that's what you had you can't you know it's going to fall into the purity thing because that's what you it's a local thing is what we have right and uh, and that, that's what made me even try it right, <laughs> right. it was like oh I'm going to try this right um, <clears throat> again it was off you know it was kind of obscure, mm-hmm. and since then, the past four or five years, it's it's been around. People are um, 
breweries are making it. Right. And it just, you know, and then that's going to run its course. Right. Um, New England IPAs, I think they're, with, they're starting to run their course a little bit. I, I guess so. I, 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 I think They're it's, still going to be there. But. Right, right. I think it's a very interesting thing because it's um, it's definitely one of the more talked about beers out there is the New England IPA, the, 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 the juicy, hazy IPA. Definitely talked about a lot. Um, not my favorite beer stuff, but I'll drink it from time to time, and especially if someone hands me one. Oh, I do like it. Mm-hmm. I do, I do like it. Um, and and for a while, the big thing was the uh, West Coast IPA. Mm. It, it, everything, you know, it everything takes a turn in being vogue. Right, it does. It, it, it just, it just happens, you know. And after a while, you know, wheat beers are going to be, you know, the the biggest thing. And mm. and I like wheat beers. Right. Well, uh, folks. Um, this is the close of our episode here, uh, episode two of the Two Beer Bottles podcast. And uh, again, thank you all for listening. We enjoy your company every time. Yes, we do. Bobby G will be here often and frequently. He's going to be my next door neighbor. Um, but just joking. <laughs> His I, wife will kill me. Yeah, she already hates him enough. She'll um, kill you first. Yeah, she'll kill me first. <laughs> <laughs> Folks. Uh, just this is our second podcast uh, and we look forward to sending you more podcasts please if you have any comments thoughts or concerns about Bobby G's mental state do not hesitate to send I don't have one (laughs) do not hesitate to bring it send it in we would love love to hear from you again this is Bobby G Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back uh, relatively soon. And and his cohort, his troublemaker, his young, youthful uh, co-host, Stubby, a.k.a. Ermio. Thank you, folks, very much for your time. Here we go. Welcome to the two-bottle... Oh, shoot. Try again. Welcome to the two bottle beer show. Oh, two beer bottles. Why I can't say it? Okay. Here we go. One, Three, two, one. Welcome to the two beer bottle show. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Try it again. Welcome to the two beer bottles podcast with your host. Bobby G, a.k.a. Longneck, and my co-host, Ermio, a.k.a. Stubby. All right.